When we started this series three weeks ago, we kind of set up as the foundational verse, this verse from the end of the book of Joshua, where Joshua says to all the Israelites, he says, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so we've been looking like, what are some of those things that a family who's seeking after serving the Lord, what does that look like today in this world that we live in? And so the first thing we were encouraged to do is just sit around table together at least one day a week and share what's going on, the good things, the bad things, the ugly things, and to hold them with each other. And then the next week, we were encouraged that one of the greatest responsibilities that we have and privileges to, in our families is the plate of prayer. And that we have a responsibility to not only be asking our family members how we can pray for them, but how they can be praying for us. And then last week, we looked at this unique calling that we have to look at what God is doing in the world, to see that the glass is actually full. Because whatever is good, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, honorable, whatever is generous, that we need to think on these things because our God is alive and well and at work. So what we're gonna do today and next week though is we are going to widen our table. Well, I want all of us to be thinking in addition to our family members that we have because of blood or because of commitment that we have made, who do we need to make space for at the table? And when you think about making space at a physical table, things have to get shifted around. And you have to pull up extra chairs, get more silverware, get more plates. You have to make sure that the chair fits underneath. As you see, this one wouldn't fit underneath here well. So you're going to have to make some adjustments. Because what we need to realize is that for a modern family, like mine, we are not at the center of God's story. I focus most of my time on taking care of our teenage children and working to keep my marriage healthy. But my family is not the center of God's larger story. I sometimes flip that scripture around, choose this day whom you will serve. Well, as for me and my household, we will serve ourselves. The challenge for the next two weeks is who do we need to add to our family's table. This morning, we're gonna look at a specific group of people that are very meaningful and very much a vital part of the Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church. And that is our elderly. To help us with that, we're actually gonna turn to the book of Ruth and we're gonna see what her model is, what she did, what inspiration can she give to us to see how we can serve the Lord by serving those that are older than us. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this space and this time that we just get to be before you. We pray that your spirit that is within us would illumine the words of scripture, that your example of Christ would give us strength to live the words of scripture, and that this community that we are surrounded with, oh, that it would encourage us. Pray this in Christ's name, amen. Before we read our text today, I wanna just tell you a few things that you need to know about Ruth in case you haven't heard of her before. 
She's pretty cool. She's named the, one of the only women named for a book in the Bible, named after her, Ruth. And she's actually from Moab. And the thing about Ruth is that she's not a Jew. She's not an Israelite. Pretty big deal. So when Ruth was in her land of Moab as a young teenager, a whole bunch of people from Israel moved there because Israel was experiencing a famine. So all these new Israelite boys show up in Moab and Ruth falls in love with one of them and they get married and it's a beautiful love story and then tragedy happens. Ruth's father-in-law dies, leaving her mother-in-law Naomi a widow. And then Ruth's husband dies. And then Ruth's husband's brother dies. And so you've got these three women the matriarch, Naomi, and her two widowed daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpah. And what you have to know about ancient Israelite, as well as just ancient history in this time, is that if a woman did not have a son, or if she did not have a husband, then it was the responsibility of her husband's father or her husband's brother to marry her, to take care of her. Well, guess what? There was nobody left. And so these three women, and especially Ruth and Orpah, they have no options except one. They have one option, which is to go back to their mother's family. And hopefully, underneath that roof, find a new husband. Because if they do not find a new husband, then they will live a life of a beggar. There is no other option for a woman in the ancient world. Naomi, the matriarch, she hears that her people back in Israel, that the, it has, they have come out of famine. And so they are eating again and there is thing, there's food there. And so she tells these two girls that she is gonna leave. And she is gonna go back there to be with her people. And that is where our text picks up today. So Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was a hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying anyone? No, my daughters. It has been far more bitter for me than for you because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. And then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. And so Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law, she has gone back to her people and to her gods, return after your sister-in-law, but Ruth said, do not press me to leave you. 
to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord do thus to me and more as well if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw how determined Ruth was, she said no more to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I imagine that both Orpah and Ruth had to have been taken aback when Naomi says, no, I don't want you to come with me. Because they had, I guess, made up their mind that they were going to go, knowing that everything back in Moab, everything there was safe. Everything was more secure than going forward to Judah. Because there, they had blood family. There was the possibility that with their blood family, there might be some connections made. And they would be able to find a new husband. But moving forward, that was a complete unknown. And so they had to be shocked that this sacrificial act that they had just told their mother-in-law is that she is rejecting them. We have to realize the state that Naomi must have been. Naomi pulls those two girls together, and twice in the scripture it says that together all three of them wept loudly. They are all grieving, not just one death, two, but three deaths. Not just death, but the death of what present was hoping to be and what future will never be. All that lies before will never be as good as it was in the past. Have you ever felt like that? There was no guarantee for Naomi that her family was going to embrace her back. She had left. She had left people that were willing to stay back in the promised land and not leave, who didn't have the faith. She's trying to tell them, you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to accept you. Stay here. As Ruth is pondering these things, I picture that that Naomi is is weeping and she has a choice. This is like the, the absolute turning point in her entire journey of faith. What do I do? Safety or complete unknown? See, heading forward, heading with her mother-in-law, it meant total sacrifice. It meant taking myself, Ruth, out of the center of the story. And so then in this moment, you can imagine the despair that they all felt, and so both of the girls say, to, to Naomi, they say, no, we will go with you. And then she, she tells them again, I mean, she tells them why this is such a bad idea. And she says, I am too old, I am hopeless, and then she says this, the Lord's hand has turned against me. That text just, that breaks your heart. Because we know it wasn't the Lord that put this in her life. But she is so grieved to the point that she thinks God has come against her. I think sometimes this might be what it feels like to age. I was talking with someone in our faith community this very week, and he told me that at an event he was having a conversation with an elderly person, and that person said to him, you know, when you get older, you become invisible. And when I heard that, my heart broke. 
my heart broke. So much of our world is set up not for the elderly. And maybe even parts of our church are set up that way. Charlie and I were at this lacrosse tournament yesterday, and it was so hot. It was 90 degrees, the sun is beating down, and it's at this huge stadium in North Dallas. And as we walk in, we were there early, we were like, oh, we're gonna go up to the top because there was like two centimeters of shade at the very top of the stadium. So we walk up all the stairs, all the stairs, all the way top, and when we get up there, I realize we are on the very back row with a whole bunch of grandparents who are there to watch their boys. It's the only piece of shade. And I thought about how difficult it was to get up all those stairs. And then the game ended, and this precious grandmama came over to one of the, like, the ushers, and she had her husband's walker, and she said, could you show me where the elevator is? And they said, oh, ma'am, the elevator's been broken. And you could just see on her face, how is she going to get her husband down all of those stairs? And I thought, she feels invisible. They feel invisible right now. They might even feel like the Lord's hand is against them. So Ruth and Orpah are at a crossroads, and we have to hear again what happens. This is the text. Before them is their grieving and hopeless mother-in-law, and it says that Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. And the Hebrew word that's used there for clung, it's, it's, intention, it's a very intimate word. It's the same word that's used when Adam knew his wife Eve. It means she clung to her physically. She held her. She said, Naomi, I am not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you. And our world, our church needs more Ruths. More of us who are willing to make a space at the table and cling to those that are older. And Ruth has this this unwavering loyalty. In, In Hebrew, they call it chesed. This unwavering loyalty that she realizes in this moment, oh my goodness, my world does not revolve around me. And I am going to make a sacrifice because God is at the center of this story She is willing to make sacrifices for herself and put her future at risk so that this woman, who is not her blood family, who who really she barely knows for most of her life, she says, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your God, my God. I'm removing myself from the center of this story. It's not that, I want to make sure we understand, it's not that Ruth said, I am not important. She didn't put her own well-being at risk. It's in that moment, Ruth realized how tied up our own well-being is in the people around us. And that God is at the center, and so we have a concern for all of the people in our community, even if they aren't related to us by blood, And we have a responsibility for the people in our lives who might be feeling like Naomi, alone, hopeless, nothing to offer, as if the Lord's hand is against them. The world needs more Ruths. 
And so whether you have family or grandparents or aunts and uncles that live near you or not, I can tell you that there are amazing people in this congregation that need you to be their Ruth, that long for someone to invite them to the table so they can share life with you. They want to be your surrogate aunts and uncles and grandmothers and granddaddies. All of the families with school-age children in this church need that. We need that for our children to see. We need to see that this is the responsibility of the faith community is that we care for people long until they are old and we love them and hold them tightly when they are young. May it be so in my life and in yours.